This podcast is sponsored in part by Eurex. Are you interested in learning more about total return futures? Watch Eurex and DerivSource's on-demand webinar on the rise of total return futures, what you need to know. In this webinar, industry participants explore the emergence of the total return future, and we look at how both buy-side and sell-side market participants can use this newly designed futurized swap as part of wider trading strategies and to achieve greater margin efficiency. Register to see this on-demand webinar via the webinars tab on DerivSource.com. Hello and welcome to a DerivSource podcast. I'm Emily Fraser-Voigt, the acting editor of DerivSource.com. Cloud computing has become an accepted fact of modern life, but just how pervasive is it in the capital markets? According to a recent Sellant report entitled Rearchitecting the Capital Markets, The Cloud Cometh, cloud-based models are in fact transforming the capital markets, with market participants and solution providers utilising the cloud to create new models for market data, trading, risk and operations. In today's podcast, we're speaking with Brad Bailey, Research Director with Sellent's Securities and Investments Practice, who is one of the authors of the report, about how financial firms' infrastructures are evolving because of cloud computing, as well as specific use cases in the post-trade space. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Hi, everybody. Hi, Emily. Thank you very much. In your report, you claim that the cloud is the solution to the capital market's need. That's quite a bold claim. Why do you believe this to be true? Well, I think if we look at the capital markets overall, what we've gone through in the post-crisis world almost over the last decade, we really have seen a world in which efficiency, cost-cutting, automation, and regulation have really reshaped the markets that we're in. And we think of that from an operational perspective or from the full value chain of the capital markets, people are really looking for ways to change the business. I think one of the positive things that we've seen is a real open-mindedness to using technology in more effective ways. And as such, the cloud, it's not just, you know, and the cloud is not a place, it's an architecture, it's a business model. It really allows a tremendous flexibility. And while I mentioned cost-cutting, that's just the starting point. It's really, it's what could be offered you know, how data can be leveraged, how you can scale up and scale down, how you can innovate very quickly. In fact, you know, what traditional and incumbent players are doing, what fintech are doing, it really, the cloud allows low-risk experimentation and alternative business models to develop in a much less expensive, much less resource-intensive method. So how are financial firms' IT infrastructures changing to adapt to the cloud and other new technologies such as AI? Yeah, no, it's a great question because I think what we found, and you really have to go, there's been a real evolution how people think about this. But I think as a core, as I said, if you think about it from an architecture perspective, architecturally, you really are rethinking the way you're developing what testing, what DevOps means as you go through that process. But then as you think about how you can add new products and how you can do that in a much more automated way, you know, we're really seeing both the market structure in the products and the change in the way different products are traded, 
different derivative products, different securities in line with you know, this evolution that's taking place with the architecture. And one of the things we found in the report, which I think is really interesting, and you know, this follows our previous report from last year, is cost cutting and, and you know, doing things more efficiently is only the starting point. What people want, what firms want, are ways of being much more intelligent with their data. They want to de-silo their data. They want to leverage it. They want to store it in a way they can access it and actually create more machine learning, more AI to really look for, you know, whether it's, you know, breaks or other type of thing in the back office. So, so what I'm saying, you know, and that, that really impacts a big part of the operation, whether you're talking about tools for direct speech recognition or tools to trans, you know, go from speech to text or tools you know, one of the other things is the natural ability that a lot of the cloud providers offer in machine learning and AI is really profound. And I think that's going to be, you know, that's a big part of the journey. In fact, we, we claim in the report that, you know, there's a step. And, but as you get there, you want to bypass and you want to bypass a lot of intermediary architectures and get to a point where, you can do predictive analytics. You can look at large data sets, whether that's for you know the front, middle, or back office. So it really is, I'll just summarize that by saying, you're really moving in both our society at large, in the capital markets and financial services, to this idea of you know, a sharing economy. I mean, re really flexibility in infrastructure, flexibility in services, and, you know, cloud computing is certainly a big part of that. In the early days of cloud computing, many in the banking world had some quite serious misgivings about security. How have attitudes towards cloud computing evolved? And to what extent do banks use private versus public clouds today? Yeah, no, this is certainly a very interesting evolution. And, and, and look, you know, in, given the nature of our business, there, there's certainly a long tail on certain things. But I think there's a couple dimensions in which you could break down this question. And certainly you go back a few years ago and people said it was always security. That has evolved into performance. And I think it, it, one way I'll break it down is first, be, you know, the, if you separate out the largest finance to financial institutions for one second and others, the level of security and tools available just from the public cloud providers so surpasses what the typical asset manager or even regional bank or, or smaller bank can, can do. You know, there's billions of dollars being spent in, in making their, the clouds more making it safer. At the same time, if we look, each, every class, whether tier one, tier two, tier three, everyone has been going through a different process in the cloud. I think what you'll see is, you know, you can look at this in a global perspective and, you know, of course, there's regional differences, but if you, as you go through the process of going through your data and classifying your data, and this is certainly a necessary exercise, we can go into that in more detail, but there's going to be you know, data that you're more comfortable with going into different types of cloud environment. So stepping back from that point for a second, if you really think about what, what financial institutions are doing broadly, is it very much a hybrid model? And I, I think even, you know, that means a lot of different things. There's a lot of different providers and vendors and philosophies. 
you know, at war with how this will look. But I would just say, stepping back away from that fray, that the, the hybrid cloud is a way of effectively using your on-premise resources, your colo resources, and a cloud provider resources in a way that's quite seamless. And, and if you think about, you know, how people are changing, if you just look at some of the discussions by some of the largest banks, by, you know, players, you know, JP Morgan's, the UPS's of the world, the HSBC's, DTCC has recently put out a white paper that's very interesting in thinking about, you know, the cloud has really reached the point of maturity where, you know, people can think about this in a, in a much different way. And I think, you know, there really is a major shift going on. Even some of the, the CIOs and CTOs who are in the never camp are, you know, in the inevitability of different cloud type solutions. So there are, you know, when you start thinking about this and you, there, you know, Microsoft and, and AWS um, and other cloud providers have really, you know, done a lot of work with, with compliance organizations, with regulators in, in, you know, thinking about this. I think, you know, from the, if you're sitting in the U.S., there's certainly certain perspective. If you're thinking, if you're sitting in Europe, you, you certainly have to be prepared for, you know, the general data protection regulation, GDPR, which is coming down the road. I think cloud providers are thinking about that. But I, I really think that, in fact, you know, cloud providers have opened up and been much more willing to work with financial service firms and open up to a level of transparency that they did not offer to other industries. And that's really helping the regulators get along. I mean, just to put a finer point on that, you know, regulators like FINRA in the U.S. are, are you know, are publicly, you know, out there discussing that, you know, much of their infrastructure now is done in AWS. And similarly, you'll, you'll find cases uh, with Azure as well, which is the Microsoft product. I really think that the debate is going to be, you know, can, as a financial institution, can we afford and can we do it as well as other providers? And that said, the model is going to be a really a mixed model of hybrid cloud, which will be on-premise and public cloud for a very long time. Very interesting. So let's talk a little bit about the post-trade space. How is cloud use affecting the post-trade space? What are some use cases and who are the solution providers in that area? Yeah, this is where you really, you know, just think about those themes of just going to a more efficient, you know, more automated infrastructure. And when we think about the post-trade, we've seen really interesting cloud solutions around, you know, whether it's actually core derivative processing, whether it, it's around all the changes we've seen in margin and collateral. That's been a big, you know, discussion in the marketplace and the requirements that have been put in place as we move into, you know, more and more clear margining and what's happening, you know, with solutions, cloud-based solutions for a variation margin and then uh, initial margin. So I think if you look at that, and one of the big drivers, I'll say, is MIFID too. And we'll start at this point. When you think about the regulatory reporting responsibilities for, say, asset managers, there's, by and large, asset managers, I'll call it the buy side generally, there's more and more regulations and more and more responsibilities they have, and one of that is reporting. So a lot of firms have decided, well, wait a second, this is not a core part of my business. Can I come up with an easy solution? And they've gone to various 
you know, cloud providers to come up with, you know, let's call it regulatory reporting solutions within the broader class of reg tech type solutions. But we've certainly, you know, in the report, we talk about what DTCC has done. We talk about providers in reconciliation, Duco, for instance, cloud margin, what it's done in collateral with some of the largest banks and the models and efficiencies that come in moving margin and collateral and doing that as a service. Um, you know, we, we, I think we talk about Project Sentinel, which is, you know, a MIFID-based compliance solution where a group of uh, banks are getting together and working with the Google Cloud. So there, there really are, you know, quite a few. I think, uh, you know, I think publicly, like for instance, Societe Generale has been out there talking about what they've been doing in derivative processing. In a case where we work with a client, a tier one bank, you know, they're really just in a, a initial work in changing some of the workflows they were doing across various asset class derivatives. They're, you know, listen, looking at, you know, cutting break rates and increasing STP rates by 50, 60, 70% with some pretty easy type point solutions. So there really are a lot of areas there. I think, you know, certainly if you look at certain parts of the market, a lot of the back office, particularly, say, say in the FX products, is still very manual. You know, it's, and I think as we get on the front end, market structures that are more electronic, more clearing taking place, more different models for trading, you'll certainly you're looking for people want solutions that, you know, that automate these processes. You can't, you know, as you know, anytime, you know, there's any type of the more human interaction, the more you have to check and reconcile with counterparties or with clearinghouses, whomever it might be, you know, that's where you really drive up expenses. I would also say that, you know, some of the firms I mentioned, you know, have been categories categorized as fintech firms. I, I think where, you know, the power of some of these point solutions in fintech, you know, many of which I've talked about in, in past reports, is when they, you know, get a partner and, you know, a large financial institution or, you know, say a large vendor or system integrating, integrator like a Wipro or something works closely with a firm. They can really drive very interesting solutions and bring them to scale. So I think, you know, I do think that there are countless numbers. Every week, there's new announcements on, on different types of solutions. And I really do think it, it's changing, you know, the full landscape as, you know, vendors need to be in a position where they can give flexibility in the type of offering they have as a service or a deployed, you know, financial institutions want to be in a position, they can't, you don't want to be that one firm that's not in a cloud in two years from now. So I think that's, that kind of sums up some of the things that are going on. And finally, looking ahead, how will cloud adoption evolve and continue to transform the capital markets? I mean, you know, in the report, in the last two reports we've done, we really, the rate of change is profound in how people are thinking about this. I think, you know, there's been this drive by, you know, senior management, like, what are we doing? But it's really getting people to rethink, again, as part of this, how do we operate in a different ROE environment, a different economics that the capital markets has gone through? So how do we 
you know, how do we do new regulation in the most effective way? I think as people get more flexible in their architecture and how they balance working with key providers out there and their own internal infrastructure and finding the right balance to be much more effective in scaling and whether, you know, scaling the risk or the derivative processing or whatever it may be, you're really going to see competitors that are much more technologically savvy, you know, have an edge. If you can do calculations faster because you can, you know, process things faster or lower your risk faster or, you know, that's on the middle and back office or, you know, state the level of collateral faster or analyze a given trade and say, well, we should do this as an exchange traded product or do this as an OTC product. You know, that's a real, that, that gives firms an edge. So I think you'll, you'll see continued mapping. You'll see a new generation of thinking on how to utilize, you know, the holistic view of the cloud most effectively. I will say certainly in the last couple of years, you know, the major providers, Microsoft, Amazon, Google, IBM, are really, you know, trying to work closely with financial firms and come up with models that, that can make sense. And you're really seeing just, you know, just one of the things that it will be transformative is, you know, if you look at the level of cross-pollination, you know, in terms of personnel and staff going from the cloud providers into the financial institutions and vice versa, I think that really speaks to, you know, how people are doing this and how serious you're taking it. And I, I do, look, in the future, there's going to be a long tail in certain models. You know, there's going to be certain types of situation, but there's really new, you know, whether you're, you know, looking at hyperconvergence or composable infrastructures. As I said, you know, there's some real philosophical and marketing and architectural battles being waged that will define the capital markets middle front and back office over the next decade. And that really is happening in real time right now. So it's exciting. Fascinating stuff. Well, I'm afraid that's all we've got time for today. So thank you very much, Brad, for your time and your insights. They're much appreciated. Thank you very much, Emily. I, I look forward to keeping in touch and having further conversations. Thank you for listening to this DerivSource podcast. To read the transcript, please go to the show notes page on DerivSource.com. To listen to other podcasts, please go to our podcast page on DerivSource.com or you can download the free DerivSource app and listen to our industry interviews on the go. Thank you for listening and join us next time.